Good morning. You are listening to KPOO San Francisco 89.5 and on the World Wide Web at KPOO.com. This is Prison Focus Radio. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. It's going to take people who are willing to fight, not people who want to negotiate with the enemy. Good morning, beautiful people. You are listening to Prison Focus Radio. I'm your host, Nube Brown. 
here on KPOO, San Francisco 89.5. So the rest of this month, I've decided we are going to be focusing on the International Tribunal We Charge Genocide that is going to be taking place October 22nd through the 25th. Uh, the uh, the in-person presentation or event will be taking place in New York at the Malcolm X Betty Shabazz Cultural Center, but I'm going to encourage all of you to register to attend virtually and to tell your friends, tell as many people as possible to register for the International Tribunal. You can do that by going to tinyurl.com slash spirit of Mandela. All one word. tinyurl.com slash spirit of Mandela. To register to attend virtually and witness the charges being placed into uh, the hands of the international jurors. Again, this is October 22nd through the 25th. So I am going to be airing um, excerpts of Six webinars that have taken place over these months preparing for this international tribunal of We Charge Genocide, which is 70 years later. And um, and we will also be hearing from, of course, um, our, our beautiful uh, family, um, friends, loved ones that are behind the walls here um, throughout the United States uh, focusing on California. In this... Um, episode of Prison Focus Radio, we are also going to hear from Za, our beautiful friend and so wise and loving uh, uh, Zaribu, who also um, some of you may know as Michael DeRoe. Again, we are going to be focusing on the international tribunal that is taking place. I'm going to say again, tinyurl.com slash spirit of Mandela, and I will... Um, Say it again at the end, and I want to encourage all of you uh, to go also to the website so you can learn more, and that is spiritofmandela.org. There you can see uh, the charges. There's a list of six charges and um, other things, and you can also listen to the full Webinars. They have all been recorded and they are all on the website at spiritofmandela.org. All right, we are going to go ahead and get started. Uh, appreciate all of you so much for being here. And I hope uh, that all of you have been able to stay, uh, you know, rested, uh, cared for, that you're practicing self-care um, and that the work that you are doing, I hope it is bringing you some level of of hope and satisfaction uh, because we need y'all. We need you to stay. We need you to be healthy and strong and hopeful as we move forward because there is lots of work to do. But as long as we do it together in shared humanity, we are going to reach our goals of abolition um, and um, and dismantling these systems of oppression, of colonialization, capital, uh, capitalism, imperialism, patriarchy. All right. Love y'all. Let's get started. We are going to get the history, the kind of the buildup to what's going to be taking place October 22nd through the 25th. International jurors, International Tribunal 2021, we charge genocide. Uh, so here we go. We all believe in 
Resistance Revival Choir, uh, based on the words of Ella Baker.
address because they do not want our South African brothers to know that there are black political prisoners here in the United States. Brother, comrade Nelson Mandela, on behalf of my brothers in prison, on behalf of the Puerto Rican nationalists, on behalf of the Native American political prisoners, and on behalf of the white American political prisoners, I say to you, brother, we love you and we will not give up the fight. 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 Amanda! Amanda! I've seen Nelson Mandela walk out of prison and I want to whisper in his ear that I knew down in the bottom of my soul how he must feel. He is a symbol of the triumph of the human spirit over tyranny. The human spirit is the essence of all just laws. And when the spirit and the heart is corrupt, then the laws and the implementation become corrupt. This is um, a YouTube video of a talk that happened at Yale University, and we will hear of who this is in just a moment. And the only way we can change the society and the laws that constrain us today and that oppress other people because of their sexual orientation or the color of their skin or the fact that they're male or the fact that they're female or the fact that they're Latino or the fact that they're homeless or the fact that they have no money. The only way we can change that is we have to take a position. Assalamu alaikum and revolutionary greetings, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Aisha Muhammad and I'm honored to be the co-host for our webinar tonight. Again, welcome to the tribunal, International Tribunal 2021. Why now? In what you do. Aisha. My name is Matt Meyer. I'm the Secretary General of the International Peace Research Association and former National Chair of the War Resistance League and the Fellowship of Reconciliation interfaith groups and, and peace and justice groups uh, struggling for human rights in all places. We are excited to welcome everyone to this first public webinar, moving forward the work of the International Tribunal, taking place in late October of this year, 2021, to focus on the human rights abuses that have been dealt here within the empire, here within the U.S. And just by way of a very brief introduction before we have an extraordinary lineup of to introduce and explain different parts to this subject, it's best to say that we understand that we stand on the shoulders of giants. Um, that clip from 1990, uh, former Black Panther political prisoner Daruba bin Wahad introducing to the crowd of, of Harlem uh, Nelson Mandela, just after he was released from prison, uh, is a symbol of why and how we took on this name. Now, the spirit of Mandela is a name that Brother Jaleel will be with us in a minute, uh, conceptualized while inside just some years ago. And of course, he's just been out 
the moment ago. But the fact of the matter is, Mandela is one of many symbols, and in the course of building for October's International Tribunal, we made, we made it a decision that we were not just going to focus on Nelson, but some of the other Mandelas, including Winnie, including Grasa, and also some of the Mandelas within the U.S. context, like Fannie Lou Hamer, or Ella Baker, who wrote the words of that introductory song, or Rosa Parks, or other great heroes and sheroes of our struggle. In particular, we recognize that this is the 70th anniversary of when Paul Robeson, William Patterson, and others, radicals, charged the U.S. with genocide and began to look at making that charge an international charge held in a, in a field of international public opinion. We fast forward to Minister Malcolm X, Al-Hajj Malik Al-Shabazz, and the creation of the Organization of Afro-American Union, also bringing the charge of U.S. crimes and human rights abuses against African peoples in the Americas before the United Nations. We see some of the struggles in the late 70s and the tribunals that were brought for other abuses and other crimes and Sister and Keishi will talk about some of that lineage and our plans for today, because she's been a central part of some of that work from an international legal as well as an organizational arena. And I'll just close the loop for myself by saying part of my space here is that myself, Daruba, and a number of us were central to the creation of the International Tribunal on Political Imprisonment in the U.S. in 1990 that Dr. Luis, Luis Nieves Falcón uh, and others coordinated to make the issue of political prisoners uh, more visible within the U.S. context. Face reality, we said, face reality. And we say again, the reality continues and in some ways have gotten even worse because we see here the ongoing traumas, the ongoing genocides, the ongoing abuses that seem to catch up with us every time we turn on the news. So without further ado, uh, that's a little historical context. I'm going to pass it back to uh, my co-MC, Sister Aisha, and I'm going to introduce our first two speakers. Speaker um, of the two will be Jalil Montekim. He is a former political prisoner, one of the co-founders of the National Jericho Movement, an activist and author, the former member of the Black Panther Party, the Black Liberation Army, and was incarcerated for almost five decades. In October of 2020, Jalil was released on parole. Let's welcome Jalil. And I'll introduce the next speaker so that there can be no interruption between the two. Um, and Kichi Taifa uh, will be our second speaker. And, uh, and Kichi is going to serve, as I said earlier, Jalil uh, conceptualized the idea of In the Spirit of Mandela. And Kichi has agreed to be the chief prosecutor. It's always strange to talk about being prosecutors. We're so used to being the defense. But let's remember this time in October, we're putting the U.S. government on trial. And Nkichi is the perfect chief prosecutor. Our dear sister has been a leading people's attorney for almost her whole adult life, building institutions and case law, which has helped free people and free our minds. She has served on countless leadership positions, including as senior fellow at the Center for Justice at Columbia University as Advocacy Director for Criminal Justice for the Open Society Foundations. 
as the founding director of the award-winning Equal Justice Program at Howard University School of Law, the Legislative Council for the American Civil Liberties Union, the coordinator and trainer for the 1995 Million Man Watch Legal Observer Committee. Taif has served as a prosecutor during the opening statement for both the 2007 International Tribunal on Hurricane Katrina and Rita and the 1997 International Tribunal for Justice for Mamiya Abu-Jamal. And Kichi is author of the recently published book, Black Power, Black Lawyer, My Audacious Quest for Justice. And if I were to really read all of what Sister Kichi has done, our whole time here, our 90 minutes, half hour will be taken up. So I'll be quiet. And I don't see Jaleel. Has he not been able to hop on yet? All right. As it turns out, um, uh, Jaleel Muntakim was having trouble getting on. So they are going to start with uh, Sister Nkichi. I'm sorry. You can start us off and then I'll have Brother Jaleel follow you. Dear Sister, take it away. All right. Thank you so very much, Matt Meyer. I appreciate it. Uh, and I greet my sister, how are you, and uh, Aisha, and everyone. And I know I was surely looking forward to hearing Dalil Mutakim come on first, but okay, I'm going and try to fill those shoes, and then he can go on and do some little cleanup, you know, behind me. But, you know, prepping for this um, session and prepping for what is going to be a phenomenal international tribunal in uh, October is really a nostalgic blowback to uh, history to uh, over 40 years ago when I was working very closely with Brother President Mario Bubakario Bedelli, the first publicly elected president of the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa, and his crusade to, um, uh, as part of the New African independence movement, to get our black political prisoners and prisoners of war recognized both internationally and uh, domestically. And yes, international human rights, always on the table for those who are seeking a black nation, for those who are seeking land, for those who are seeking sovereignty, looking through international law as we are doing uh, today. So, you know, the issue of our uh, political prisons in the United States has never been mainstream. That's why we're here today. That's why we're going to have this international tribunal coming up in October because this issue has never been part of the public discourse. It's never been seriously considered except by the diehard, which are the folk uh, on the screen and the folk who are in the audience right there. Uh, where are all the law review articles on political prisoners in the United States? Where are the PhD dissertation? Where are the mock trials and law schools using our political prisoners as case studies? Where are the law school clinics focused directly on our heroines and heroes, our freedom fighters? Where is the elementary school curriculum? That's what this tribunal must result in. Domestic and international recognition that are not only that there are and have been political prisoners in the United States, but that the struggles that they were convicted of are legitimate. I was honored, as Matt said, to serve as the prosecutor. And, you know, it took me a while to get my brain wrapped around being a prosecutor. <laughs> I mean, you know, even the trial that was just going on last week and uh, this week, I had to correct my brain and say, defense bad here, prosecutor good here. But um, I was honored to serve as a prosecutor delivering the opening statement on both the People's Tribunal for 
1997, as well as the People's Tribunal on Hurricanes Katrina and Vita in 2007. And in the Katrina Tribunal, as part of my conclusion, I said, esteemed jurors, you have before you an awesome responsibility. Just as in 1954, when Mamie Till Mobley demanded an open casket for the world to see the image of her 14-year-old son, Emmett, savagely mutilated and dumped in the Mississippi Tallahatchie River. I said that this tribunal, then, the Hurricane Katrina, and as well as this one that we're going to embark on in October, will likewise present an open casket for the world to see and hear the testimonies of human rights abuses. Open it up, maybe to Mobley scream. She said, let the people see what they did to my boy, okay? And her decision is what forced the nation and the world to face in shock, horror, and disbelief the horror of racism. So this tribunal, again, will likewise open up the voluminous body of evidence that has occurred and is occurring for the world to see and hold those who are responsible accountable. I stated at that tribunal that Dr. Martin Luther King once said that the ultimate test of a man, of a person, it's not where where he stands in moments of comfort or in moments of convenience, but where he stands in moments of challenge and moments of controversy. Yes, yes, I see it. It may be challenging to some that we're using an international human rights frame to which to present domestic abuses. It may be controversial for some to hear mere whispers that crimes against humanity were perpetrated domestically, or that the provisions of genocide could be applicable. But these are not comfortable or controversial or convenient times. Just as Mamie Phil Mobley commanded, there is a time when we must open up the casket. There is a time when we must right the wrong. It is once again time for the world to see and to act. The time is now. Moments of national crisis also represent moments of opportunity. And just as I did in that Katrina tribunal in 2007, in October, again, we will likewise ask this new set of international jurors to listen to all of the evidence and to return a verdict for justice rooted in international human rights law. And 10 years earlier than that, in 1997, I served as an attorney in the innovative historic mock proceeding in Philadelphia entitled the People's International Tribunal Investigating Case of Mumia Abu-Jamal. And this proceeding included a well-known and respected international panel of jurors, political leaders, labor and community activists, cultural figures, and others concerned with social justice. And I ended that statement with a plea that there be a thoughtful, independent, and impartial judicial investigation into the FBI's counterintelligence program, a thorough, independent, and impartial judicial investigation into the actions of any official entity that had any role in relation to the 1983 uh-huh. headquarters bombing, the removal from office of officials responsible for the deprivation of Mumia Abu-Jamal's human rights and a request to the United Nations to call for reports on the case of Mumia Abu-Jamal from U.S. Special Rapporteur. 
<clears throat> and I recently did a presentation for a forum called Community Under Siege, Imam Jamil Alameen, on the issue of reparations as a down payment for political prisoners, political prisoners, you know. And, you know, most people don't realize that the Japanese American Redress Bill not only called for $20,000 to every Japanese American detention camp survivor, uh, fund to be used to educate Americans about the sufferings of the Japanese Americans, a formal apology from the United States government. But most folks don't realize that that reparation settlement also included a pardon for all those who resisted detention camp internment. There is a pardon for those who resisted before they can do it again. A pardon. We have political prisoners still languishing in the prison. I'm not even going to go through the list of names. We have political prisoners who are in exile who cannot return here. We have people who serve time unjustly. Okay, but still are on parole. Their sentences need to be commuted. They need to receive a pardon. And, you know, the COINTELPO talked about to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, and otherwise neutralize the activities of black nationalists, you know, leaders and their spokespersons and, and their membership and their supporters. And the FBI talked about neutralization, which is a term of war. And you might ask, well, what is this war? Well, it's none other than the war of genocide that the United States has been waging against our people. And I'm just going to conclude with the definition of genocide, which most folks don't really realize. When, when we talk about genocide for the Jewish people, no issue, no eyebrows raised. We talk about genocide for the Native peoples, no issue, no, no eyebrows raised. But when we talk about genocide for Black folk, first of all, folks just think you're being rhetorical. <laughs> no one takes it seriously. But genocide is... Uh, principle not only of international law but it's in United States law as well. The international definition as adopted by the United States is number one, killing members of a group. Number two, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of a group. Number three, deliberately inflicting upon the group conditions of life calculated to bring about their destruction in whole or in part. Number four, taking measures to prevent births within the group. Number five, transferring children from one group to another. And that definition goes on that says, genocide is not the only actionable act. Conspiracy to commit genocide. To direct in public incitement to commit genocide. Intent to commit genocide in complicity in its commission, and it goes on. It says those who are guilty of genocide shall be punished, shall be, regardless of whether they are constitutionally protected rulers, public officials, or private citizens. And those are the things that we're gonna be bringing up in the International Tribunal of Political Prisoners in October. We're gonna be talking about crimes against humanity. We're gonna be talking about genocide. We're going to be talking about remedies and reparation. We're going to be talking about all of these things, and we're going to be putting it in the proper framework that needs to be put in for not only recognition, but for action as well. Thank you.
All right, again, that was in Ketchi Taifa. She is going to be the tribunal's chief prosecutor. And Jalil Muntakim was able to finally uh, get the uh, technology um, available to let him on. So here is Jalil Muntakim from the first webinar for the International Tribunal 2021. Thank you. I want to thank everybody who put this program together, this webinar. Unfortunately, for some reason, my mic or my camera will not work. And I'm watching the whole scene, but uh, unfortunately, it's not working. At any rate, it's important for uh, me to ex- express uh, my, my appreciation to everyone who's watching and understand the, uh, the gravity of the situation which we are dealing with. Uh, Sister Taiz put up a and I hope everyone really uh, heard that they are digging the ground to the issues of uh, the question of genocide. Uh, the question of genocide is the question of whether it is being done in whole or in part. In our situation, uh, we can uh, emphatically state that it's been done at least at this in, in, in part. Uh, particularly when we look at the issues of the issues of a state of state of police terrorism. Uh, in depth of uh, many of our young uh, people, uh, and, and also the, the, the degree by which uh, mass incarceration has uh, a prevent uh, reproduction as an idea, uh, in terms of uh, in, in part, whereby uh, young people may sit in prison for exorbitant a time and, and at the most uh, uh, period of where they can reproduce and they're being prevented to do so, and then released from prison as old men. Right, as was my situation, in my case. I think the about person going on going on sixty nine years old, sixty years of age, sixty nine years of age. And so what we find what we find is the need for us to bring our issue, bring our case to the international community, uh, to raise the question of if we are the sphere of the sphere of fight against a Almost 20, oh, I have been in almost 21 years of uh, fighting 
for the existence of fighting the army for the existence and support political prisoners in the United States. And therefore, Jericho uh, read my proposal and decided that, yes, this is something we're going to do. We're going to put it together. We are now at that point. October 22, uh, to October 22nd to 24th, we've been raising our issues, our struggle to the international community. And it behooves every progressive individual in this country to join and support and endorse this campaign. Join and support uh, this uh, this tribunal. Uh, and, and support, particularly support our chief prosecutor, uh, Sister Nakishi Taifa, and our capacity to raise all the issues that we want to bring to the international community with confronting people of color in this country. These are charges of mission. And you, you, best friend, just for us in every capacity that you possibly can. We're going to make this thing happen. It's going to be historic. We're going to make it historic. All right? This is the time for us to bring to the international community our struggle, our capacity to fight back. This is our goal. This is our objective. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening to me, um, supporting this campaign, what we're trying to do, what we're going to do, and, uh, and I'm certain that with your support, we will be successful. We will become our own innovators. All right, we are going to hear now from Lenny Foster. He's the American Indian Movement International Indian Treaty Council, spiritual advisor to AIM political prisoner Leonard Peltier. And for you young people, again, AIM is American Indian Movement. Uh, we are going to hear from uh, Lenny Foster. I am going to encourage you, you can hear all of these webinars, again, if you go to spiritofmandela.org. of your Bine Nation with us here and as part of this process. Lenny Dick Foster is the former director of the Navajo Nation Corrections Project. He's a spiritual advisor for more than 2,000 Native American inmates in 96 state and federal prisons throughout the Western U.S. Amongst those 2,000, Lenny Foster is a spiritual advisor to our dear and beloved Leno Piltier. A founding member of the American Indian Movement and a continuing board member of the International Indian Treaty Council, Lenny Foster has provided groundbreaking testimony before the United Nations and many other entities on indigenous issues, on prisoner issues, and on the case of Leonard Peltier. A true elder and comrade and friend, Lenny Forster, we are so honored to have you with us. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, uh, 
David Hillier was the only one that was uh, was out. So these uh, gentlemen, his sisters, they were all there. And that's when the Soul on Ice was completely uh, in force. And it inspired me because a year later I joined the American Indian Movement in Denver, Colorado under the late Vernon uh, Balcourt. And I joined the American Indian Movement and engaged in some of the, the uh, biggest campaign in the Indian Movement. Uh, Alcatraz, we took over Alcatraz Island, I was there. We took over the Bureau of Indian Affairs building in Washington, D.C., I was there. I participated in some of the biggest uh, demonstrations up to that point in Gordon, Nebraska, the Raymond Yellow Thunder, and I engaged in the 71-day uh, occupation of the wounded knee, South Dakota. And I survived, survived 11 firefights. So that uh, enhanced my awareness of survival and the struggle. And I uh, feel very honored to be part of this and recognize uh, my uh, brothers and sisters as comrades in the struggle. And I want to thank, uh, thank uh, Jaleel uh, for inviting me. And I shared with him when I visited with him in uh, Sullivan Correctional Facility here two years ago and three years ago when I came to New York to, to attend and speak at the United Nations Permanent Forum for Indigenous Peoples Issues. And, and I, I told him that uh, I had an opportunity to do a sweat out ceremony with uh, Cindy Adam, a colleague at of Allenwood. So those kinds of experiences um, we bring to the table, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, very uh, privileged and honored to be part of your uh, your circle here. And uh, is also by our state, or the Indians are happy. We give American Indian movement the shout to Board of Directors and stuff, International Indian Treaty Council, ARB, Dijink, and the Chanel Musician, ROB, United Nations, Permanent Forum for Indigenous Peoples Issues, ROB, and Instrum, as a top, Hanassi, so those are some things I just want to say at this time. I was given five minutes, so I, I just want to share that both in English, which is my second language, but I wanted to say also in the, the name, the Navajo language. So you'll be getting accustomed to hearing one of the classical languages of North America, the, the Navajo Nation, uh, the Navajo language. Uh, it's my pleasure. I thank uh, all of you again. I consider you uh, my comrades in the struggle. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, how beautiful is that that we were gifted with the Diné Navajo language? 
Um, I really appreciate Lenny Foster for that because we often talk about how we are changing the narrative. We're talking about speaking new languages, bringing, bringing new words, phrases. And I think being able to uh, be given the opportunity to hear other people's languages and share in the possibility of being able to even learn their language. As um, indigenous peoples are reclaiming lost languages, because we know that that's part of the genocide and something that we don't talk about that that's not necessarily specifically brought up here, but that is part of the genocide of people's languages being denied them. Um, we know that enslaved um, Africans were denied their language. They were stripped of everything, including their language. And the same that has happened with indigenous peoples all over the world, but here um, in this country uh, that is now, now called America with three Ks, Inc. But uh, the, when all of those thousands upon thousands of indigenous children were pushed into, forced into, stolen from their families and pushed into uh, boarding schools, they were stripped also of everything, um, and um, including their language. And we know that that's a genocidal practice. So I really appreciate Lenny Foster um, sharing with us some of the Diné Navajo language. All right. Um, I think we are going to, again, that's the first webinar of the International Tribunal 2021. And we're going to finish with Za speaking to us um, about the Community Release Board uh, and, uh, the again, working on the language of the Release Board. I did get a chance to ask him about uh, the International Tribunal 2021, if he knew that it was taking place and what he thought about it. Oh, I'm so glad. Hey, one thing that I am glad that I that I heard you say is that you have heard about this the We Charge Genocide International Tribunal. Did, what have you heard, and do you have some thoughts on that? The only thing that um, um, I think Sharon sent me some paperwork um, in one of the pledge about about it, um, and I think it's time. I think it, I think it's about time. Um, the last time I can remember something like this happening or the talk of something like this happening was when Malcolm X um, um, said that he should be, well, we should be allowed to appeal to the UN um, to articulate the plight of um, um, blacks in this country right here. So I think it's an extremely timely um, issue. I think that it's happening at this particular time. It's just as much um, a part of that. But again, I think that some of the things that um, are being discussed, I think one of the things that we have to think in terms of doing is not changing the narrative, but expanding the narrative to include things, for instance, like um, the community review board that you and I have talked about. One of the other issues that a brother and I were talking about yesterday was um, how when you go to the parole board, um, you go before these psych evaluations prior to your going to the board, and doing those psych evaluations, the issue of insight is supposed to come up. That's part of the psych evaluation. But what happens, you deal with the psych evaluation, and then when you go before the board, the board actually starts to ask you questions about things like insight as well. 
Um, I don't know that any of the board members are qualified to make a psyche evaluation. It's almost as if you're having the second psych evaluation when you go to the parole board. And you've already had the first one mm-hmm. um, with the psych. But what happened to my buddy and old folks, um, Ifuma Burnett? Yes. Um, he did everything right. He has all his eyes dotted, his T's crossed. You all made it possible for him to have a place to go to when he come home. He did everything that he was asked to do. And the psych his or herself included in that, that evaluation that based on his validation when he was in the shoe, he should be denied parole um, or he should be found unsuitable. And that's part of the reason why state sponsors or state paid um, mental health workers, they shouldn't, either they shouldn't have anything to do with the process or prisoners should be allowed to be evaluated by um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist but does not have any kind of investment into, you know, the CDC's position. Absolutely. Um, they just pay, they pay, they pay by the state to do exactly what it is that they spoke, to do exactly what it is that they did. Um, so we start, we really do have to start making part of the narrative, and, and including through the UN. We have to really start making this part of the narrative that changing the system as oppressive as this right here um, really does require that we empower people that have been um, depowered. So historically, these communities that we're going back to should have the ultimate say um, as to when they want us back, whether they want us back, how they want us back. They should be the ones to um, have the ultimate say about things like that right there. And we really do have to start Part of the thing I think now is, even in the bills that we craft, as well-meaning and as well-intentioned as people are, when we craft these bills um, and push them through the legislative houses, work for the government to either sign or not sign them, those bills are being crafted within the framework of patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism. Like, not outside of that framework. We basically are appealing to the very same people that's responsible for our oppression to change their minds about oppression. Uh, and honestly, that's not going to happen like this. And it's necessary. That is, the, the work that, the legislative work that's being done by all of the great um, activists and groups um, out there, that work is absolutely necessary. But at the same time, some of us really do have to start thinking in terms of working outside of that framework and empowering um, the communities that we're supposed to be paroling back to, including, you know, cats like, like um, Dr. Craig Haney, um, a great psychologist and psychiatrist that brought um, an entirely different something to the table when talking about solitary confinement and everything. Um, Cherry Coopers is another one. Um, these are the kinds of people that we, we really do we, we should start including in our narrative the type, that kind of mentality, uh, that kind of uh, attitude, uh, that, that kind of philosophy has to be um, part of the narrative that we start to have now. Because if we don't, if we don't do this right, we don't start making this part of the narrative and start thinking in terms of um, demanding that change be based on these kinds of narratives, then we're going to be fighting this battle over and over again. Just just like we always have, 
um, capitalism, white supremacy, and patriarchy. It hasn't taken a day off in the entire history of this country. This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. The only kind of real change um, and um, opportunity that we have to change is to really change the narrative. Um, and from a narrative that includes appealing to the forces that's responsible for oppression um, to moving them out of office, just like Republicans and conservatives. Just like they used the recall efforts to try to uh, remove um, Newsom, we should start thinking in terms of using those kind of tools to remove um, people that clearly do not represent the interests of the people of the state of California or the country. And so, I mean, there's a role for working within the system. It's a role. There is a, a real role to play within that framework right there. But... Like, we have to really stop being on the defense and start being on the offense when we start. Um, if we're going to work within that system right there, we need to actually start thinking in terms of doing things where we control the outcome of whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish as opposed to allowing those forces that oppress us to control the outcome of um, whatever it is that we're trying to get changed. And that's basically what's going to happen. Agreed. Agreed on all fronts. I, I, yes. And I, and this call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. I think you will see that some of that is happening. I think you're right. We are, we're playing some catch up and things like that, but there's Absolutely. some, there's some good work being done out here. And I, so I want to keep your hope alive and let you know that, um, um, we agree with you and, and then that work is being done. We are recognizing that we are, we are learning about, like you said, expanding the narrative. We're talking so much more about transformation because we understand uh, people getting a better understanding, young people too, getting under, having a better understanding historically and systemically what is taking place and being able to face it from that standpoint. Not just kind of react, rather than react, we're responding. And that has a, um, a much deeper and much, it seemingly, you know, much stronger and beneficial um, energy to it because it's more realistic while being able to keep the hope and, and idealism alive as well. That's well said right call you again about this time tomorrow if that's okay, okay? Yes, yes, please do. Okay. All right, brother. Okay, sister, you take care of yourself. Okay, you too, I love you so much. I'm so glad you called. Okay, you too now. Take care of yourself now. Okay. All right, beautiful people. That is our show. I want to thank you for joining me here this morning. I want to encourage you to share this tribunal, this International Tribunal 2021. We charge genocide taking place October 22nd through the 25th. Share with your people. Join us. Register at tinyurl.com slash spirit of Mandela. That's how you register. To get onto the website, go to spiritofmandela.org. Uh, and again, join us, tell your people, send to as many people as you can, and uh, get ready for Workweek with Steve Seltzer. All power to the people.